In a stadium rich with tradition. We have that here, and it reeks. And when you come in, teams take the field, they can feel it. The lights shine the brightest. Definitely playing at Camp Randall is one of the best places to play in college football. This is the Camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, and the Athletics' Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. And welcome into the camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm Zach Heilprin. No Jesse Temple, uh, just uh, obviously we spent so much time yesterday talking about uh, what we heard from Paul Christ. Uh, we'll have more shows coming up as we get closer to fall camp, which is going to get underway August 1st. However, I had an opportunity to chat with a number of players, a number of uh, media members here over the last two days at Big Ten Media Days in Chicago, and that included uh, Wisconsin quarterback Jonathan Taylor, who's been a very popular guy down here. We'll start with that interview, and then uh, we'll go on, and you'll hear from the Wisconsin State Journal's Jason Galloway and Minnesota wide receiver Tyler Johnson, as well as the Lincoln Journal stars Parker Gabriel. But first, again, here is Wisconsin's Doak Walker award-winning running back Jonathan Taylor. And we do bring in Jonathan Taylor now here on the camp. JT, how's it going? I'm going pretty well, pretty well. Thanks for asking. Uh, so I'm going to start here. I don't know if you saw the story. I'm sure you actually did. Uh, Jesse Temple story in The Athletic, what Alec Ingle called you. He said you were the baddest dude in the country. Yeah. Are, are you? Uh, I definitely think I bring something unique to the game. I tried to model Adrian Peterson's game, you know, bringing that power and speed. Um, so that's one thing that you kind of find rare in guys. Um, a lot of guys have great speed or tremendous power. So I definitely think I bring something unique to the game. All right. So yes or no, is, is that a baddest dude? Uh, yeah, I definitely think, you know, <laughs> I, um, you know, try to be different. One of the biggest things is being different. You know, that's, that's what separates guys from being great and then being elite is, you know, bringing something different to the table. I was talking to uh, Barry Alvarez yesterday, and he was mentioning your leadership ability. And actually, Coach Chris mentioned it as well uh, when we talked with him. You're not an openly vocal guy. What is it that you had to change in yourself to maybe become a better leader? Um, I had to kind of look to the guys who were being vocal, the Dakota Dixons, the Chris Ors. I had to kind of look to those guys and, and you know, model the vocalization after those guys and I feel like you know especially Chris Orr being at the real focal point of it this year and Dakota being a focal point of it last year um, taking after those guys they've helped me out a lot and I think I'm confident prepared and ready to be more vocal. How do you think the rest of the, the team has taken to you as a leader? Uh, I think they had definitely looked up to me um, for a while and I think it was up to me to kind of take on that leadership role and kind of realize that my voice does carry weight and I know that it's okay to sometimes be vocal and you know tell guys like hey let's let's tighten up let's work let's get to it so I'm um, definitely looking forward to it this year 4165 yards your first two years at any point here in this I guess since the end of last season have you had a chance to look back and watch what you've accomplished to this point yeah uh, it's a long season so you always have to take a time to step back and get away from football maybe for a couple of days and just Relax, because it's a, it's a taxing season between August all the way until you know January into December, whenever you finish playing. Um, and to just look at the numbers, and you look at the guys who you played with, and the things you were able to accomplish together. Like, like the offensive line, they take a lot of pressure off of me, um, and you kind of appreciate those guys even more once you step back and look at you know how the year went. Two thousand two hundred and thirty-five yards. Do you know what that number would get you to? Jeff. I know six something, six something. Six, it, it it would top Donnell Pumphrey's all-time 
rushing record. He did it in four years. Obviously, as a Wisconsin kid, certainly you know that Ron Dane owns the real record yeah, yeah. of 7,125 <laughs> yards. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that, that's probably unrealistic yeah. here in three years. But 2,235 yards. I'm not going to. I don't think it's probably a goal that, if you don't know the number, you probably haven't set it as a goal. But do you think it's something that maybe is out there that you could at least strive for? Yeah, you always want to get better each year. And you know, freshman year had just under two. Uh, sophomore year had two. Um, and you don't know. You don't know what this year is going to look like. You don't know if this year is going to look like you know 1,500 with 500 receiving. You don't know what what a year is going to look like. And that's still a great year, depending on what goes on. So, um, you know, if a great year goes to be 2,200, um, then that's like another achievement that me and the offensive line and the rest of the offense can celebrate. Um, But if not, one of the biggest things is whatever yardage that we need uh, to win the game, uh, that's the the most important thing. What would it mean, though, to to own that record and and essentially bring it back under the Wisconsin brand that it probably should be anyways? I mean, it it would be remarkable to to do something like that, would it not? Yeah, that would be cool. And, you know, you always have the the Ron Dane hanging over your head. Uh, You know, he's like the greatest Badger running back of all time. And uh, so he'll still be able to hang that over your head. (laughs) You, You talk about greatest Badger back of all time. What do you think your legacy will be? I mean, obviously, you've only been here for two years, um, but you think about some of the great backs, Melvin, Gordon, James White, uh, Monte Ball, Anthony Davis, going back to Ron, you know, and, you know, Brent Moss, Trell Fletcher, so many great backs that have been All-Americans. What do you want your legacy to be, and, and do you think it's you're up with there with, with those guys? Uh, like you said, uh, you mentioned those guys. That's how I want to be remembered. You talk about the greatest backs to come through uh, this program, and you start naming down the list, and you know you want to be part of that list because each of those backs brought something different to the table. I mean, Monty Ball was a touchdown machine. Melvin Gordon with a monster 4-8 run. Ron Dane with the, uh, the rushing record. So you, you want to bring something to the table, and you want to be mentioned with those guys. That It'd be an honor. I know you had an opportunity to work out with James White and Melvin Gordon down in Florida for a stretch after uh, after school got out. What did you gain from, from those workouts? What did they teach you that maybe you didn't already know? Um, one thing is that you got to push yourself uh, at the next level. Um, it's all about kind of an individual effort in the offseason until it's time to come together as a team. So um, just watching those guys, seeing how they would push themselves without anyone needing to say anything to them or how about you challenge yourself, they automatically did it themselves. So that's one thing I'm going to take into consideration as far as each and every single day, workouts, practice. Can I challenge myself without the coach saying anything to me? Can I take that responsibility myself? Uh, Melvin uh, approached his junior year as his last year. He knew it was going to be his last year. Are you approaching that similar? Uh, I think the biggest thing is like putting that on the back burner because you look at the first two years and that wasn't there, and then you see what happened. And I feel like when you try to mix that in with – balancing school, balancing the game plan uh, for each week, then it'll kind of be difficult. So I feel like you got to do what got you to the point that you're at right now. You ran track in the spring. Is there is there anything that you can take from that? And is it valuable, I guess, at all when it comes to football? Yeah, um, acceleration, especially at the running back position. A lot of times you're stopping and starting and uh, you have to get back to top speed quickly. So working on acceleration, you know, getting block work, Working on being very explosive on that first step would definitely help you get to top speed after um, you know you make a move. A couple of uh, just questions about your ba- the potential backups. Uh, obviously, with Tom Juan Deal moving on, you've got there's some carries behind you. Garrett certainly is the third down back, and I know you're going to be in that as well. But what uh, what have you seen from Bradrick, and is he going to be able to hit the ground running come fall camp? Yeah, Bradrick's looking very strong right now. Uh, 
I mean, he was strong before his injury, and I mean, now he looks even stronger, and it's kind of amazing to see his work and his progression uh, through his rehab, and, you know, he's been running very well, he's been lifting well, so I can't wait to see him in fall camp put it all together and get back to, you know, Bradrick Shaw. Yeah. And we saw some flashes from Taiwan, excuse me, from uh, Nikia Watson in spring, uh, a couple of impressive runs. I think a lot of people are looking at him and he kind of looks a little bit like Taiwan in terms of his running style. And uh, I, where do you see that? And where do you see him, I guess, what his role will be? Uh, he's definitely a physical back. And I feel like now that he's got more comfortable with the system, he's been able to run very well. Uh, you know, he's been actually getting up to top speed, hitting the edge. You know, a lot of people thought he couldn't hit the edge because he was a bigger back, but he actually has great speed. So, like you said yourself, you saw in the spring, you can see him hitting the edge. You can see him going in between the tackles. And I feel like he's going to keep developing as he stays within the program. Team expectations for this year, you didn't reach what you wanted to last year. What are they this year? Um, this year, we're coming with a, a, an edge. Like you said, this past year, that's not how we really wanted to, you know, have the duration of the season go. So I feel like this year guys are, are refocused and understand now that once you look too far ahead, things in right in front of you seem to get really foggy. So the biggest game of the week is the game that week, not two weeks ahead, not a week ahead. And I feel like that is going to put us back to playing Wisconsin football. Do you, do you think at, at times last year people were kind of looking – at the outside noise and paying attention to the outside noise a little bit too much where there was a loss of focus there a little bit at, at points. Yeah, and definitely, you know, coming off that freshman year, 13-1, and one, being ranked, uh, you know, outside noise was, you know, putting us high in the rankings and maybe, and we had a lot of younger guys playing last year, you know, due to injuries and just guys um, moving on and transitioning. So they kind of weren't there to realize what it took to be 13 and one, you know, the hard work it took each and every single game. So now I feel like guys have an understanding, they're older and they're ready to work. I'll finish with this. August 30th, who is running out there at quarterback? August 30th. That is the two to be determined. We got four quarterbacks that's going to go at it every single day at fall camp. I mean, they go at it now. When we're doing Skelly or, you know, just outside throwing routes, they go at it now. So I know the competition is going to be really hectic uh, this fall camp. All right, JT, really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right, we do bring in. Wisconsin State Journal's Jason Galloway here on the camp. Jason, we're at Big Ten Media Days, another Big Ten Media Days. Football season gets closer and closer. Badger's going to be opening camp August 1st. For you, heading into camp, the biggest question that you need answered at some point? Well, the starting quarterback is what I would say, and I think even from day one of camp, we're going to get a little bit better idea of how they feel about their guys on the roster. You know, coming out of spring ball, Jack Cohn was obviously still taking all the first team reps, but you have to assume that Maybe Graham Mertz having, being an early enrollee, having a little bit more time this summer to get the get the playbook down, get the signals down. Maybe he's able to take a little bit more reps. And you know, John Budmeyer told us that you know they're not going to be able to give four guys reps in the fall. So it'd be really interesting to see those first couple of days uh, when they get out there, just kind of how they're dividing up those reps and if anybody's truly challenging Cone. That's that's the thing I was going to ask. Do you think it is a competition? We talked about it after spring ball, and there was a certain co-host of this show that said that uh, he doesn't really think it is going to be a competition. Jesse Temple said that, obviously. Um, but I'm wondering, in your mind, is there an actual competition here? I think there will be a competition. Now, obviously, Jack Cohen has got to be considered the um, pretty heavy favorite right now. Uh, but until until he comes out there in the fall and, and continues to take all those first-team reps, um, then I'm going to go ahead and, and think that it's going to be a competition. Now, 
you know, I, I think at some point, I think we could get a weekend and, 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 and see and see what's going on and be like, okay, maybe this isn't as big of a competition as we thought it might be. Uh, but I, I do, think there, do think there's enough talent in the quarterback room and um, that one of those guys is going to be able to challenge him. So, um, you know, I, I, again, maybe I'm wrong and, and we go this in there. and he's the you know, camp on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. I'm kind of hoping we at least see some kind of battle. You think it has any similarity whatsoever to 2016? I, I feel like this season itself has, has a lot of similarities to it. Yeah, They're, it's probably not going to be ranked, uh, or if they will, it's going to be pretty, you know, in the 20s. Uh, they, you know, have a quarterback question, and they have a young guy in uh, in Graham Mertz, just like they had a young guy in Alex Hornibert back then. They had more veteran guy Bart Houston. This time it's Jack Cohn. Uh, you have some questions in other places. Do you think this has a little bit to that feel? And do you potentially anticipate something similar to what happened in 2016 with the quarterback battle where if it's close, they go with the older guy originally, and then if there's any struggles, you can kind of you know put uh, Graham Mertz into the mix? I think another similarity is that a lot of people think their schedule is too difficult to, to win the West. Um, so I think there are a lot of similarities to 2016. And I think as far as the quarterback battle goes um, – you know, I, I think that I think that makes a lot of sense. You look at 2016. You know, Bart Houston was the guy that was the experienced guy, but still didn't have a whole lot of on-field experience. Uh, he was just the older guy who kind of had the edge. And then Alex Hornibrook was the the freshman who you hadn't really seen a whole lot of yet. And you know, that was a legitimate battle. And I think that they kind of you know aired toward the the guy that had been in the system longer. And maybe that's what they'll do with Cone. And yeah, I think that again, you know, if we go in there and Cone takes all the first team reps the entire fall camp then then i'd have to think he has a little longer leash than than just uh than, than maybe bart houston did when um alex hornibuck went into that georgia state game early on in the season but if we go in and it's a legitimate competition but cone beats out someone like mertz then i think maybe you have to look at it and say well if if cone struggles the first few games or he has you know the team's in a tough spot early in the season then maybe they could pull the trigger and and try somebody else so obviously the quarterback battle is going to be at the top of anybody's list, but if there's an under-the-radar thing that you're looking at, battle, player, otherwise, what is it? I think it's how the outside linebacker position is going to going to play out. Um, obviously you have a, a, an obvious starter there in Zach Bond, but the other side is interesting. I, I kind of thought coming into the offseason that Tyler Johnson would be the favorite there, a senior who um, a couple years ago got some limited playing time and looked looked pretty good, suffered some injuries last year. Uh, but in, in, in the spring, they had Noah Burks taking the first-team reps in, in base packages and Isaiah Green-May uh, taking a lot of the nickel first-team work. Uh, and I just think that's an interesting spot. You know, they, they kind of went through a transition period last year with a new position coach of Bobby April. I feel like they didn't play as well as, um, you know, that group is used to. I mean, they've had so much NFL talent go through there the last few years before last season. And then they had the, the Van Ginkle injury last year that, that really kind of hurt them as well. It's going to be interesting to see if that group can bounce back and they can find a couple of these young guys that we haven't seen a whole lot of yet that can um, that can kind of emerge. You know, Green Bay is a guy that still needs to add some weight, and and I don't think they really feel as comfortable with him against the run yet. That's why he is playing more nickel packages. Uh, but I think that if they can find a couple couple guys after Bond that that can be good players, that can really that I think that can really help this team um, both from the pass rushing standpoint. And, uh, and just the ability to kind of seal the edge in the run game as well. You talk with uh, Jason Galloway from the Wisconsin State Journal. This season, based on what we saw last year, do you feel, I don't want to call it a make-or-break season because it's not, but yeah. does Paul Chris need to bounce back from, from what was a down year, especially expectations-wise from last year? Or is it? do you think it's just a blip in the, in the radar and they'll go back to winning the 10, 11 games a year that they had 
come to know for the last, what, going back to 2013? I, I think that they need to be better than they were last year. I don't think they need to win well, 10 or 11 games. Okay. Um, but, you know, I think that, um, you know, I, I think it's, I think in the next couple of years, they probably need to get back to that point to where they, they're the, they're the top dogs in the West. I think you want to be able to do that, but I don't think it necessarily has to be this season. I think you just want to, after a season like they had last year, you just want to um, have some improvement, put, put a better, put a better season together and then kind of build from there. Um, obviously you're still going to be young in some areas. Uh, you're going to have a first year starting quarterback. Um, so, I mean, I think we'll, I think we'll kind of see how it plays out. I think, I think it's going to be, the schedule makes it difficult this, this year as well. I think, um, I mean, I think maybe their ceiling is 10 and two, but I don't see them getting to that point. Um, I think they will be better than, than, than this year, than last year. I don't, see them winning the West this year, but you know maybe they'll surprise us like they did in 2016. Uh, in 2016, they were picked third to uh, in the West. They ended up winning it this year, picked third. The two teams ahead of Nebraska and Iowa, both 14 first place votes for, for both of them. Nebraska uh, had more points overall, which obviously made them the favorite in the West. Surprised at all, or is it when you look at that schedule that they have and they don't play Michigan, they don't play uh, Penn State, they don't play Michigan State, they get Ohio State at home, they get Wisconsin at home, they get Iowa at home. Like you have, yeah. you know, is that the reason when you look at it, saying that's probably why they're being picked? Because they were under 500 last year. Yeah, there, I think there's a couple reasons people like Nebraska. And, you know, obviously one of them is, you know, obviously they were under 500 last year, but they ended the season extremely strong. They had that just horrific start. And then they started to put things together. And you look at when you have a first-year coach and you see that toward the end of the season, you see the team start to put it together a little bit. I think that brings a lot of optimism for, for their second year under that coach. Um, they have a good young quarterback in Adrian Martinez that showed a lot uh, last year as a freshman. And then, like you said, they have a lot of scheduled breaks this year as well, uh, which, which really goes a long way toward when you're trying to pick who's going to win this division. I, th- I think um, you know right, right when last year was ending, I was kind of thinking ahead to this year, and I was thinking to myself, I actually might pick Nebraska to win the West this year, and I thought it was going to be like a contrarian sort of pick, and then it's, it turns out they're actually the favorites, so it's, it's kind of funny how that turned out. But I, I, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to like Nebraska. I think this is one of those years where you know, there's, there's really like five different teams that could probably potentially win this, win this division, and maybe it's one of those years where a three-loss team um, is in Indianapolis, and just if you you know if, if you lose three games, but you have the right tiebreakers, maybe you maybe you're able to pull it out. Five of the seven teams got a first place vote, at least one first place place vote. What was the most surprised one? Was it Minnesota? I think Minnesota. Right. I, I I put them. I would put them sixth. I think, uh, but I I think they they showed some progress last year. Um, I just don't quite like them as much as the the other five teams ahead of them. To ver- to rank them first, I think is a real stretch. So I mean, again, they obviously they had the big moment beating Wisconsin at Camp Randall uh, and taking the axe back. It'll be interesting to see if that gives them a little momentum heading into this year. Uh, but I don't know. I'm not really rowing the boat uh, to the top of the West for them yet. I was hoping to have a chance to talk with uh, P.J. Fleck down here, but uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I was going to ask him, and now I guess I'll have to ask you, how many nights do you think the axe spent in his bed with him and his wife? <laughs> Yeah, that's a good question. Okay. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's just one of those things where you know the kids <laughs> got to sleep in the bed for a little while, and, it, and I think the axe is. I, I'm sure it was there for what at least a month, probably yeah. at least, <laughs> at least. Um, we'll, we'll see uh, how it plays out. Jason, thank you very much for jumping on. Anytime. All right, there is Jason Galler from the Wisconsin State Journal. And we do bring in Minnesota wide receiver Tyler Johnson here on the camp. Uh, Tyler, I guess for the last, I've been doing this for, I think the seventh year I've been here. 
Mm. Every other time I've had a Minnesota player on, I've asked, how do you guys get the axe back? Do you even know where you put the axe if you had it back? Because it had been so long. Yeah. You guys came down to Madison last year, dominated that entire game. What was that like for you guys? Um, I would say it was exciting. You know, just to be, go- be able to go out there with a great group of guys. Um, we were executing on all points. Um, and we were just playing together. You know, we was having fun. You know, we were really just, because I remember Coach Fleck telling us to go out there and play like a kid. You know, and um, I think that's what we did. We went out there and played like a kid. We had a lot of fun. You took it to them, though. Like, it wasn't like, it wasn't like you guys just beat them. Beat them 37-15. to 15. It, was, it was not a game. Uh, you dominated that. So, you mean you expected something like that, or were you expecting something closer? Um, really, we were just playing to play. You know, we weren't really expecting to win or lose. You know, that I feel like when you think about stuff like that, it usually goes opposite. So, um, yeah, we were just out there just playing, playing how we play. The celebration afterwards, I believe there's video of P.J. Fleck diving into the locker room with the axe. Yeah. What was that like? Because uh, you're, you're a Minnesota kid. Yeah. So you, I mean, I, I don't know how old, how old are you? I'm 20. I turn 21 next month. So you were five or six the last time they yep. had won the axe? Yep. What was that like? Um, well, I remember, you know, just growing up watching the Gophers win the axe, you know, when I was young. Um, and then to be able to go out there and do it, you know, it was it was a great feeling. Like, it was a feeling that words can't even describe. Um, Coach Fleck ran in the locker room, you know, and uh, I just remember the locker room smelled like, you know, the axe uh, cologne or scent. <laughs> sure. Yeah, so... um. You know, it's, it's definitely a great memory that's going to last a lifetime with me. I, I, know, I know PJ has said this offseason that, that that game is a program changer. Yeah. What do you think that means? I mean, can you point to that game and say, that's our jump-off point, and now we're going to be the team and program that we want to be? Um, I think that for the program, it's, it's, it's a lot of bright things to come, a great future for the program. Um, and I do feel like it was a start to the program, you know, um, we came together, you know, we just played together, we had fun, you know, and I feel like after that, you know, uh, it was a turning point, you know, we realized that, you know, we could be pretty good in this conference. Is that the biggest win that you've had since you've been at Minnesota? Yeah, I would say, yeah. Okay, all right. You had a huge season last year, and you almost had an opportunity, or you had an opportunity to leave. You decided to come back. What went into that decision, wanting to come back for another another year at Minnesota? Um, I would say... Uh, I thought about my family, uh, thought about my friends, thought about my community, thought about my teammates, um, and just didn't feel like it was right for me to leave yet. Um, so decided to come back, thought about the program, um, what great things we could have in store. Uh, so a lot of things really, you know, helped me figure out the process about returning back to school. What's, what I read somewhere, your degree is in what? Or your your business, bre- business and marketing education. If you're not going to play football, it, obviously you want to play in the NFL, yeah. and you're going to have that opportunity. What do you want to do? Uh, really got no clue. Um, <laughs> really got no clue yet. Been trying to think about it. Maybe open a business one day or something like that. You're still so young, though. Yeah. You, you don't have to make any decisions now. And you have, a, I'm sure, a future uh, in the NFL in front of you um yeah. in terms of expectations you said mm-hmm. you have to, an opportunity to do something special i don't know if you saw the the conference media put out a poll yesterday and it had nebraska at the top iowa wisconsin purdue northwestern and then it was you guys i think it was at six did you see that uh i think i did later on in the day pretty much. what do you think of that i uh, really don't pay it no mind 
you know, that's just people out there doing what they have to do, you know. So um, I'm pretty sure when we all get back on campus, you know, Coach Fleck going to address the team, you know, and then talk about it, crumble it up, and just throw it away. Um, but, you know, he he likes to address the team with that, you know, just to let let the team know, like, yeah, we do see it. You know, we do know what's going on. We do know what people are saying about us. But we can't pay it no mind. You know, it's our job to go out there and change our best day in and day out and find little things we can get better at. He's got a lot of sayings, right? Mm-hmm. Is there one that stands out outside of Roll the Boat that, that you were kind of, like, scrunching your eyes up the first time you heard it? Um, uh, I really wouldn't say not too many had me, like, scrunch my eyes. You know, I feel like when you're around him and you realize, like, why he's saying it or things like that, you know, you, you, you can relate to it in a way, you know, that it just it hits you and it, it makes you, like, interested in it. So you bought in right away? Uh, it took some time. You know, like, you know, I think it's, it's pretty much you can't really buy into anything right away. So, um, yeah, it took some time. Because um, you, didn't, you didn't commit. I mean, you didn't commit to him. Yeah. You committed to the previous staff. Right, right. But you you warmed to it eventually? Yeah, yeah. You know, I warmed to it, and it feels, and I'm, I'm happy about it. You know, I'm happy about this program. I'm happy with what he's doing here. Because, you know, like, the there's there's an outside perception of P.J., and just kind of like the energy that he brings, and uh, there there are some that would say it's 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 over the top a little bit. You guys see it as that that gets us going. That's what we love that type of, type of coach. Well, well, the same way that everybody sees him is the same way he is around us. You know, he's not just one sided. You know, he, he he's very energetic with us. You know, he says everything he says to everybody else. He says to us. You know, so um, I'm happy to be around him. You know, I learned a lot from him just being around him all the time. Um, and I'm happy that he's my coach. Yeah. All right. Hey, Tyler, certainly appreciate your time. Thank you. There he is, Tyler Johnson, the Minnesota senior wide receiver. Thank you. And we do bring in uh, Parker Gabriel now from uh, the Journal Star News in Lincoln, uh, a Wisconsin native, UW grad. So yeah, that's right. Yeah, so you have a little bit of Wisconsin knowledge. But I want to bring you on and talk a little bit about Nebraska, the Big Ten West favorite. Uh, they got 14 first-place votes. So did uh, Iowa, but obviously Nebraska had a few more points otherwise and uh, are the favorites in the West. They were under 500 last year. Now they're the favorites in the West. Yeah. Th- is, that a, is it a surprise for you at all? Not only were they under 500, but they started 0-6 for the first time in school history. It, it had literally never happened before. Um, I think you put favorites in air quotes a little bit just because the West is so wide open. I mean – you know, you look at Nebraska, and and they sort of have the quarterback situation figured out with Adrian Martinez as a sophomore, and then they have a lot of questions after that. There's Iowa maybe is in a similar boat, you know, veteran veteran quarterback, a uh, couple of staples back on defense, a good set of receivers, and some question marks after that. Um, Wisconsin has a lot of pieces in place on offense, but you don't quite know about the quarterback, who, who it's going to be. Uh, among the young guys and then there's questions on defense so there's just not a surefire uh, team in the west and I think that's why you see the the vote spread out like it was in that cleveland.com poll but with Nebraska I mean I think you know we just heard Scott Frost um, here at, at media days a, a little while ago and that's the they're confident but I think that they recognize that it's not a finished product by any means and so um, you know given the way their schedule lines up they've got a favorable one uh, compared to some teams in the league, and that combined with knowing what they have at quarterback in Adrian Martinez, I think they feel pretty good about making a big jump in year two. And that's what I was going to ask about the schedule. I mean, there's no Michigan, 
there's no Penn State, there's no Michigan State. You get Ohio State at home, you get Wisconsin at home, you get Iowa at home. Yep. Like you get all the biggest games are in Lincoln. That has to be something everybody else is looking at, right? Yeah, I think so. I, the way that I, the way last year everyone talked about Nebraska's brutal schedule last year, that was mostly a brutal schedule if you had realistic designs of of competing for a division championship or a Big Ten championship. And Nebraska was not in that a position to do that. Nebraska wasn't, but a certain group of people that support that team, of course, certainly were. Right? Yeah, okay. always, always. He, okay. Go ahead. Yeah, no, there there are always people that nine wins. I mean, you know, Bo Pelini never won fewer than nine games in a season, um, and, and but never got over the hump and won a championship. So, um, you know, that that's there's always that expectation. T- last year, you know, playing Ohio State on the road, playing Michigan on the road, Wisconsin, Iowa, like that's a tough that's a tough setup for anybody to handle. Now Michigan drops off the schedule. Uh, you get Ohio State at home. You get Wisconsin at home. You get Iowa and Northwestern at home. Um, it lines up really well, but the flip side of that is you've got to take care of business on the road in winnable games. I mean, October 12th, Nebraska goes to Minnesota. You want to win the West, you've got to win that game. You know, you they go to Illinois uh, to kick off the Big Ten season in, in September. You want to win the West, that's a game you have to win. And so um, it just it's makes for an interesting dynamic, but I think all things considered, uh, Nebraska does have a favorable schedule and one that – in a race that might be tightly bunched could could realistically be one of the factors. When it comes down to it, where is the – if it doesn't happen, why doesn't it happen? I think mostly it'll still – I think it's a depth conversation. Um, they have some players that they like on offense, but they don't have great depth at the offensive line. They have a couple of running backs that they like. They don't have great depth at running back. They've got a, a deep, experienced defensive line. Um, one that's played a lot, but not one that's played at a very high level a lot. There's a lot of games and a lot of reps banked there, um, but not a single all-Big Ten accolade in the bunch. So that's a group that has experience but has to take a big jump. Um, So for me, if it doesn't happen, I think it will be collective depth and talent still remaining an issue as this staff obviously tries um, to, to infuse more talent and, and, and more skilled players and the type of players that can run a spread out, up-tempo offense uh, into the program. How does Nebraska and Nebraska fans view Wisconsin? Uh, obviously, Wisconsin has owned the series since they came into the league in 2011, just the one win back in 2012. How do, how do fans view Wisconsin? I think, by and large, you're always going to get the segment of the fan base that just won't give anything to, to anybody. I think that there's a reluctant respect, um, and I think that they've, you know, Wisconsin to some extent, particularly over the last few years, um, they've been the measuring stick for everybody in the West, and, I, and, and Nebraska is no different in that conversation. Um, I do think that given... Um, the way that that Wisconsin slipped last year um, combined with some of the questions on defense and then being young at quarterback, I think that there's a sense, and it's probably just not Nebraska or Nebraska fans, but around the division that that gap maybe is closed. Um, we'll see. You know, I, I think um, overall there's frustration among Nebraska fans that they haven't fared better uh, against Wisconsin, and then it, it – Scott Frost sort of made reference to it after the Wisconsin game uh, last year. I think he talked about He said he was talking about Isaiah Loudermilk, and he said that's one of the biggest human beings 
I've ever seen, and we just don't look like that right now. And he said the same thing uh, earlier in the season after a terrible loss to Michigan. And then he said it again after the Iowa game. We're not as big and strong as physical as some of the teams in our division right now, and that has to change. But, but you know, we, he's speaking as the coach, you know, he said they have control over that, basically, and they'll get that fixed. And so I think that, you know, Wisconsin is sort of a standard in terms of uh, de- player development and and the size and, and uh, just, you know, that that element of things, that powerfulness that you have to have to, to compete in this league. Is Michigan your favorite to win the league? Yeah, I think so. I just Des- they're despite the despite the fact that they have not been able to get over that hump in these four years. Yeah, um, and, and not live up to expectations. I mean, Nebraska fans have high expectations. Michigan is very similar in that same respect. Yeah, absolutely. And I, it's it's a similar conversation, but I think you know you can say that Michigan hasn't lived up to expectations and, and also agree that they were an obscenely talented team last year. And they were a really good team last year. Um, and that just that game against Ohio State just was its own. It was like its own thing, basically. That's the season. When, yeah. when you lose to Ohio State as many times, you've lost to them like that. Not like that, but in general. Yeah. All focus is going to be on that. Yeah, it's and that's like, all that matters. It's like if the if it's like if the Packers went fourteen and two, but they lost to the Bears twice. There would be that segment of people that would be like, "What?" Yeah, you know. So it's the they they have that hump that they have to get over. Um, but I just think that when you look collectively, both sides of the ball, they have to replace so much talent on defense and so many NFL players. Um, but they've got it. They're they're deep. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is far enough into his tenure that it's, he's got all his players. They've been developed that staff's way. They've had some you know, turnover on the coaching staff. But I think overall, when you look around the league, um, this is as good a shot at the outset of a season as, as Michigan's had to, to play the favorite. And I would I put them solidly as the favorite, if not overwhelmingly. And the, the excuses run out, though, too, right? I mean, Absolutely. With, with, with all that talent, you can't – and it's your guys now – you can't blame anybody but yourself if you don't get it done. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And and I, I think, you know, this is – I'm not going to say it's totally make or break, but it's certainly a year where, look, it's all right there for them, you know. And, and, and so for them, I would imagine that they're not only, you know, into your bus, but they should have playoff aspirations. And, and there's some people out there that think that they are a playoff team this year. And, um, you know, that would be – a heck of a story if they're the they're the ones to crack in after a couple of years of not making it. Um, I guess we didn't even I didn't even ask you. Do you have Nebraska winning the West? No, no. Who do you I have winning the West? I, I've flipped back and forth on this. Um, I've had I've gone back and forth between Iowa and, and Wisconsin. Um, I think it's going to be really close. I don't think it'll be decided by three games like it was last year with Northwestern. Um, I think there are five teams probably that could um, Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota. I mean, were you the one that gave him the one, one first place vote? I wasn't. I considered. I considered it. Um, I, in a way, I almost want to pick them. Just Minnesota, that is, just because who's got a better collection of offensive skill coming back than Tyler Johnson at receiver, and then that group of running backs with Smith and Shannon Brooks coming back from injury, uh, Mohamed Ibrahim. Um, you know, really in when those two guys were out last year. Um, just really rose to the occasion and, and became one of the better backs in the West. And so that, um, plus a guy like Carter Coughlin and, and um, I'm blanking on the inside linebacker's name at the moment, but uh, uh, Barber, yeah. they just, they've got pieces all over the roster and they're really, really young. Um, I think they're going to be exciting. And uh, I just couldn't quite, they're, they're, but they are still so young. I just couldn't quite peg them as a favorite. So I'll take a team that's a little bit more of a veteran group 
like Iowa or Wisconsin to win the division. Is Jonathan Taylor the best offensive player in the country? Or not in the country, in in the conference, do you think? Or is it? Or does Adrian Martinez have uh, going to have a say about that? I think that Adrian Martinez and Rondell Moore will both have a say about that, but I think at this point you can't argue with 4,000-plus yards in, in two years. He's insane. Yeah, and he's. I saw Jeff Patrikas tweeted earlier in two games against uh, Nebraska so far in his career. He's averaging 9.6 yards per carry. So, you know, that's for Nebraska. Look, if they stop the run in the second half last year, they're right in the game. Yeah. And Wisconsin. they just couldn't do it. And, and, yeah, and Wisconsin's secondary, uh, to go along with the – Wisconsin's issues rushing the passer, not getting after the passer, not getting the ball out of the guy's hand quick enough was bad, and it hurt the secondary, which was so young. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, there's so many bodies back there now, and we'll, we'll see how it, how it plays out. But Wisconsin's defense, it has to get better along the defensive line, and it has to get better outside linebacker because without putting any pressure on the quarterback, which they did so great for, yeah, for 13, 14, 15, 16, you know, 17, it hasn't happened. It did not happen. So for Wisconsin to get – where you know potentially being in the in the race there it'll have to happen yeah it's the good thing for wisconsin is if you want to win a division having the luxury of handing it to number 23 as many times as you want per game is a pretty good place to start it's not a bad bad guy to do but they've also they've also talked about getting in the ball in the past game sure like i read something jesse temple had a, had an article with q a with john settle the running backs coach talking about how they want to give him the ball 50 times uh in the past game they haven't had as a team, running backs, they've had one uh, group have 50 more catches in the last five years. Yeah. Like, that's not realistic. You're going you're gonna to turn the wrong ball and, and hand it to him because that's what he does best. Yeah. Pull a guard, kick out with a fullback, and hand it to him just like you've always done. And, and, and I mean, and look, he, he's, a, he's a young quarterback's best friend too, right? I mean, the, the number of seven-man, eight-man, nine-man boxes that whether it's Jack Cohn or Graham Mertz that they're going to probably face this year – um, you can't ask for a lot more as a young quarterback than stepping no. into a situation next to a guy like that. And look, the weapons that they didn't play up to their level last year, but the weapons that they have on the outside and Danny Davis and A.J. Taylor and Kendrick Pryor and, and, and Ferguson and um, Crookshank, you know, and some of the even younger wide receivers, they're there. Like, it, it has the ability to be an explosive offense, not just in the run game, and we'll see if it plays out that way. I think the the thing with Nebraska, that secondary was so bad for a couple of years, and, and of all the areas, obviously – the quarterback position's been completely turned over. It's basically all new guys. Martinez is the the future, you know, the present and the future at that position. He might be one of the best in the country. After that, secondary is the one that's made the biggest progress. And for, for Nebraska to compete, um, that secondary uh, with a couple of veterans at corner and some newcomers and young guys at safety uh, has to be really good. And under Travis Fisher, longtime NFL guy, um, that, that they've made a really impressive turnaround over the last 18 months, and that group will be really key for Nebraska this fall. Are they doing the black shirts thing again? Yeah, probably. They, they gave out, I can't remember, they got up to maybe 13 last year, 11 or 13. Um, so I think second year in a program, you'll only see that continue to, uh, to, to rise the number of guys that they think are, are worthy of that designation. Parker, thank you very much. Yeah, of course, Zach. And that is going to do it for our shows from Big Ten Media Days. Uh, we'll have a lot more coming up as uh, we get closer to fall camp. As I said at the top of the show, fall camp gets underway August 1st. Jesse and I will certainly have a show before then. Uh, until then, though, you've been listening to The Camp.